0: Messaging after a school shooting, a very complicated but very important issue. That's what we're talking about on the school PR podcast today. Thrilled to have Rick Coffin on, an expert in this area. That's the conversation coming up next on the school PR podcast. public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast. Brought to you by Nichols Strategies. And now, here's your host, Ryan Ferran and welcome back to the school pr podcast everyone another very important topic today glad you are tuning in and we are thrilled to have rick hoffman the executive director of community relations and emergency management at bloomington public schools and Rick was there for Columbine working comms and also was a first responder, which was amazing. We'll talk briefly about that, but Rick also works with other schools that have gone through some of these tragic mass shootings and he is probably really the foremost expert in this area in comms, in education, when schools are dealing with this and so he gets turned to a lot and he's always really advocating for school safety and has done just tremendous work over the years. So Rick, uh, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. You're, I think you're actually the first three-time guest. Uh, that's how good you are. So we re- really appreciate you stopping by with Matthew and myself today.
1: Ryan and Matt, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to talk about a really tough, uh, tough subject, but one that's uh, also helpful for our colleagues and professionals that are responding and dealing with these kinds of uh, horrific incidents. So I appreciate the opportunity
0: absolutely it's just uh we always appreciate your knowledge and if people haven't heard you know we talk about on the podcast the the recent episodes we've done but rick the last time we had you on was actually four years ago in april 2019 when we talked about all the colorado schools closing with that threat right around the 20th anniversary of columbine you were about to head back to join people of uh, from that tragedy to for the 20th anniversary and that whole disaster happened and then another episode which is amazing is episode 24 so that was episode 31 24 was all we spent an hour talking about crisis communications and you gave us just some gold nuggets how to approach these situations so i highly recommend people if you're new to the podcast haven't heard those episode 24 all about crisis communications. In episode 31, we talk about that issue with Colorado. We talk more about Rick and his involvement with Columbine. Uh, Just very powerful and informative episodes if you have not tuned in yet. So, Rick, I wanted to have you on another school shooting, unfortunately. And it always comes up for communicators in our field, whether you're doing communications or you're a superintendent and you're a board member. Something happens and you start to hear from parents, what's our schools doing? What's our safety protocols in light of this shooting? Are we safe? So it's always balancing. When do we send messaging? What do we say? Media approaches us. So I'd love your thoughts on kind of how you balance that when you're working for your own district or another one when they say this didn't happen Next to us or to us, but it's close it's on the minds of parents. What should we do?
1: Yeah, great, great question. I think there's two two pieces that uh, center this question um, first and foremost, it doesn't matter the location per se because you have a high profile incident. Another school shooting, a very tragic school shooting, this one being extremely rare in two cases, a parochial school, and the perpetrator being a female. Those are rare, Um, but it shows that these kinds of incidents, um, nobody's really immune to it. The second is the preparation. You talk about what to expect, and we do know that these incidents they, um, they will elicit a lot of uh, feelings among not only our students that we really focus on, but also our parents and families and our community for that matter, because they hit a raw nerve or they elicit a traumatic experience that they may have had or know of someone that was involved in a similar incident, uh, particularly those that are in a state. So in in the state of Tennessee, it's going to be far more impactful. It's like take a calm pond, and if you throw a rock in that calm pond, that's the epicenter, that's the crisis, and you have these concentric circles, that's the impact zones. And so the closer you are, the more impactful it is, the more uh, gut and raw reactions you're going to have. Having said that though, it touches all of us and we see that the more um, that these incidents occur and really the, the longer they are um, in the sense of uniqueness but also how long they're played out in, in national media. Um, and, and having said that, the local media. So when I talk about two basic principles here, one is, is that we should be preparing our parents for what to expect when a school incident occurs. Typically that's at the start of the year. I also encourage them to do it um, when they come back after winter break, a holiday break. Because the idea is you have new parents that are coming in and out. It's important to set that standard to know what to expect. So it's whether it's communication or a flyer, something they can post on uh, their, their refrigerator or microwave that simply says, if my child's school is in crisis, what is the district doing? And by doing that, you reinforce what it is the school district is going to do and how it does it and what to expect if you're not if you can't get through to your school when that incident occurs, because the schools focus on saving your child, protecting protecting your child. Now, absent of that, you brought up the great question of what do we do now? Um, And really it is as to what is your community, what is the values your community has with respect to school safety and the expectations either that you've created, which are good, or the expectations parents have to know, is my child safe? Regardless if you're putting information out frequently like we do, um, we still will get calls and emails from parents or district that want to know, is my child safe? And absolutely we respond very quickly. It's important to reassure, reassure your child is safe. These are extremely rare events greater picture of what happens in a school year. Yes, they're far more frequent. They're more today. I mean, I think this was the 50th incident uh, since the start of the school year. Um, So they're pretty frequent, but they're still extremely rare in when you talk about these kind of high profile situations. So reassure schools are safe. That could come down to sending a message home, doing a video, a video is great to reassure parents because they, they get a face with a voice, whether it's a superintendent or the principal, um, anything to reassure parents, your child is safe, schools are safe, and by the way, this is what we're doing to ensure that your child's safety.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one too because schools are safe, But there's also no immunity to any of this so some parents almost want this guarantee of safety and it's I don't know anyone that can guarantee that and not even your own parents for your own kids I mean if somebody wants to cause harm they want to cause harm so I, I think it's tough for schools to answer some of these questions and you get like well why don't we have an armed guard on every campus we need bulletproof this we need fences and gates and so some of those questions on the surface for a parent not inside education makes sense to ask but we've seen as we've talked about on previous podcasts rick too where armed guards on campus don't doesn't mean it's preventable doesn't mean your kids are safe i mean they've been victims too and so it's one of those delicate things you want to assure safety you can't guarantee it um and then i guess getting back to the original question would be um when do you send something? Do you wait to the gauge of your community as far as getting the calls, then the emails about what you're doing? Do you send something out ahead? Does it depend on the coverage, the, the typical, the, the disaster that it is? Where do you kind of weigh in on that? Because I know people struggle, like, do we send something we got a couple calls, we didn't get a million? Like, where is that fine line?
1: Right, and you have to, one of the things we have to remember is that when when parents are reacting just like a a child will, um, and they're reacting, is they want reassurance. They want to know that their child's school is safe, that their child is safe. And so I often use the word buzz. What's the buzz in the community? If I'm getting, or my department or our school district is getting a lot of phone calls from parents, that's enough to say, look, we need to uh, reassure and affirm our school safety measures with our parents. We need to to, uh, sort of address their fears and concerns because they're all pretty similar. And you're right. A lot of them we're going to ask for, do you have metal detectors? Do you have armed guards? Or why don't you have these things? The important thing to remember is when we are experiencing the anxieties and fears and concerns, our ability to process that those uh, you know really complex issues and very complex responses is such that we have to be cognizant not to give parents too much information um, at that time that 's why it 's always important to do that in timely manners what is in place now going back to what you asked is when 's the best time sometimes it 's immediately because once the buzz has started it 's tough to get you know in front of it. Other times it may be pretty quiet, and so you want to gauge that. Other times it might be a school that is more impacted by it, like an elementary school for that matter. So it's all the kinds of things that it's easy for you know all of us to say, hey, this is what you should do, but really read your community. You know your community best. We can give you the helpful tips and tactics, but when and how is really determined on how and when you are typically communicating with your parents
2: you know rick i I have a a quick question uh and, and just for people that are out there maybe new to public education new superintendents that might be listening to the podcast or new communications directors Uh, Both of you mentioned something that does happen a lot. And if you happen to be the person taking these calls when there is an issue on the national stage like this, not it doesn't have to even be local. You will start getting an influx of calls from parents talking about security systems, demanding armed guards, demanding military vets uh, be armed at the front doors. There's there's a lot of things that come out of that. Right. And it all it is kind of fear based and that they need to be assured. Um, So if you're new to the space, just know that you will get those calls. Um, do your best to listen. Um, Rick in that moment and going back to, um, kind of something that Ryan hinted to earlier, what are some of the high level things you talk through with districts on how to say school is as safe as we can make it? Just some of those high level things when you're on a phone call with somebody or in maybe even messaging you're sending out. What are the some of the, some of the big Again, yeah, Keeping
1: there? in context that the, what they're their questions or their response is driven by fear and anxiety so what can we say to reduce the anxiety and the fears and so part of that is reassuring that our schools are safe and we are committed to all of our staff are committed through our training through our drills through the exercises we do to protect your child and the most important thing is all of that work that we go into is to put your child in a very safe condition should an incident occur in a school. And again, part of that is laying that groundwork uh, th- at the beginning of the school year and, and and keep reinforcing that so that it is less an- anxious, if you will, during these moments. I will say that one of the interesting things is have I gotten some calls and emails? Yes. But I'm a little... I guess I'm not surprised because we do a really good job of that reinforcement over time is that the number is really less than what we would have anticipated. But so what specifically, what are we doing to keep your child safe? What is it, and don't shy away from, you know what, we practice uh, lockdown drills, we lock all our doors, all of our doors have single point of entries, or access management systems, thinking real clearly and speaking in terminology that they will understand that we're not going to let bad people or people that are indoor buildings that shouldn't be into our buildings. And we have alarm systems and we know what to do if something bad happens. Going beyond that to get into deeper philosophical questions about metal detectors and armed guards, probably not a a good thing to do at that point in time, because our answer is going to be there's no fail safe. I think Ryan hit on this earlier when we've we've talked about this. When someone is hell-bent on harming themselves or others, they will find a way. When I talk about the rarity of these incidents, um, especially these mass casualty incidents, is because... It's not typical of a person like we saw in in the Covenant School in Nashville blasting their way through the front door. Often our greatest fear is that the perpetrator exists in our schools already because they're a student, could be a staff member. So they know the drill. They know the school. They know the surroundings. Um, That's our greatest concern. So when that happens, how do we mitigate um, the damage and the, the potential loss for life? Because this happened the way it did and we're seeing the images, I mean, how quickly have we ever seen body camera footage um, and and video footage from inside the school? That is alarming in the sense that we haven't seen that in the past. And so parents that create some more anxieties and say, so the first question I'm going to get is, do you have bulletproof glass? Because when you see that, the first thing as a parent you're saying is, oh my gosh, that could happen at any school. You know, so that's a key point you're going to have to address. And and then layering that. But, you know, short-term, medium-term after an incident, have a parent meeting. You know, go to your school PTAs because they are, you know, the the neighborhood uh, talk is is such that you start talking to your PTAs, um, that's going to spread. That's going to get information out there. Um, And if you have to go bigger, then you do a bigger event.
0: Yeah, I
2: think yeah, that's that's I was just going to say
0: to your point about the what we're seeing with footage now and so fast from it. I was thinking even when we talked a few years ago, the news cycle for these is warp speed now. Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine back in Columbine and some of these 10, 15 years ago The first few days are about the victims what we're doing to support what's their status we don't even I mean people aren't even at the freaking hospital yet and we're talking politics what the heck are you doing what are our gun laws in our in our state our districts? so if you think you're gonna have time to prepare this you know as it breaks you are out of your mind All this stuff, I mean, do as much as you can ahead of time with messaging, templates, and all that because the news cycle, and frankly, it is not even fair. You hear questions at press conferences, you're like, we don't even know if this person's going to make it, and you're worried about this? Like, let's have the victims and the families have a second to mourn, but that is the world we are in now with social media and media being so fast. It is unbelievably warp speed so it's amazing i want to touch on a few other things too um, about messaging you made a, a really good point too rick about listening to your community first i think some mistakes we make as communicators and we get some pressure from somebody within our district or whatever i saw this from our neighboring district are we sending something out too and i will tell you right now look Because somebody sent out a message does not mean you should be sending out a message. That neighboring district may have gotten 50 phone calls, and that's why they're sending it out. And you're sending something out, and you didn't get anything, but if your reason is because X district sent it, that is not a good reason. Like you said, monitor the pulse of your own community, and you brought up a fantastic point, too. A... Message does not need to go to your entire district. If this is just talked about at your elementary schools or one in particular, just work with that principal, that school, and send it there. There'll be cases where you do want to send it out district-wide, but to your point, and it's a really good one, you need to be kind of in tune with your community, and the mistake I see is, oh, this district sent it, let's send it. No, that is not the reason to do it safety preparedness too, and messaging what you're doing is very important and having that uh safety preparedness web page too that you can point people to have those talking points those are all things that you can have done ahead of time ahead of this warp speed news cycle that it's going to be and whether it's in your district or a million miles away people are going to ask about it and what are you doing So this is where you show your value within your district of your working with your maintenance people, your safety officers of like, all right, I need everything we're doing and we want to list it and show parents kind of here it is. And so they can see that information in school PR. We are very good about sharing information and we see like, hey, can I get a template for this? Can I get a template for that? This is not the time to copy and paste what somebody else is doing with their safety measures. You need to be honest about what you are doing because Rick in Bloomington says they're doing this and that, that may sound good because they're doing it, but don't dare put it in your communication if you're not. So this, I get a little bit nervous when people ask for templates, especially in crisis. It's like this needs to be a personal and specific communication. You can use some of the generic terms here and there sprinkled within, but this cannot be a copy and paste. Um, last second. This needs to be what you're doing. Parents are going to dissect it to the nth degree. So I just warn people to be careful about that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I want to say uh, to Rick made a, two really good points that I want to go back to as well. And that is getting out ahead of it too and getting out to your community and having those conversations um, in person PTAs parent groups. That's brilliant. Um, I would have to confess that I don't think in my previous districts, we did that enough. I think we could have done even better job there. And that goes a long way to, you know, uh, reducing people's fears in these moments because they've heard directly from the superintendent. They've heard directly from the, from leadership. And, uh, that's brilliant. The other thing I would say too, Rick hinted to is bringing the parents into this conversation. I will say that, um, Beverly Hills unified, uh, Dr. Breggy put out a really great message yesterday, and I'll just quote one thing from there. And it, It says specifically, we are here to support our students in every way possible, but to the parents and guardians, you are the people with whom your students are their truest selves. You are the ones who they can candidly be honest. You provide boundaries, unconditional love and protection. You are their parents. Your role will never compare to ours and your place in their lives is unmatched. We're a partner in this, uh, but you are who they are going to look for, for reassurance, bringing the parents into that conversation. and giving them ownership and responsibility. And also it's a subtle reminder to you need to pay attention to what's going on in your own house with your own children, tune into their emotions, their feelings, what's happening. And then also in that message to parents and guardians, and I'm sure many districts did this and to Ryan's point, if you're not sure what to include in your messaging, if you've decided and your team has decided to push out messaging in relation to something that's happened nationally, like this include resources include resources that your parents can turn to that will give them help and guidance in having these difficult conversations and working through these kind of things with their with their I children think so, if
1: you're gonna, I, Ryan and, and Matt, so you both bring up great points, I think reinforcing. Ryan, this is an opportunity, in, in, you know, right now for us professionals to be looking at our crisis comms plan and specifically what, what gaps may, might be existing. And so what response statements do we need to shore up? Um, And what are we learning? So if I go out and I ask, hey does anyone have a template for this? By golly I better make sure that I've tailored that and put that into my crisis comms plan for the future. And then the other thing is, is that you, if you're going to send something out um, make sure it is yours. It is not somebody else's. But I'll go a step further. Is what do you do, or what will you do to help to help children? Because this is the thing that parents are looking for. So Matt, you hit on the point of, um, you know, what, very eloquently. What um, that school district message did was, hey, we're partners in this, but you are the most important person in your child's life. Now, here's what here's what we are providing our students if they if they needed space to talk about it. Uh, We know that these incidents, um, quite often, they will trigger strong emotional reactions among our kids and and adults too. And sometimes it's a re-traumatization because these are kids that have probably experienced um, some adverse childhood event or multiple adverse childhood events, what we call ACEs, the loss of a parent, a a domestic abuse or violent situation in a home. Those are the students we want to be looking out for. We want to make space for them to make sure that they have an ability to share and talk. Absent of that, hey, parents, here's three, four, five points that you can do tonight with your child when they get home if they are aware of this or they're starting to talk about it. And it's developmentally appropriate, elementary, middle or junior high, and high school because all of them will react and respond very differently and will the, the concepts of conversations will be very different, some deeper than others, and some students just want that reassurance that, The world is a safe place, and especially when I go to school. Um, So all of these things we're talking about today, this is great because it's responding to a really horrific incident this week, but this should be all foundational groundwork for those professionals that either don't have it or have very little, and for all of us that do, what nuggets can we pick up off this podcast today and say, ah, that's the one or two or three things that I didn't know about that I'm going to change, and then do it today because we don't know when that next incident's going to occur.
0: So many great points in there by both of you. I love it. The um, resources too, including them in there, that is just, that. that's where we can make a difference because parents struggle with having these conversations. We struggle with having them. I mean, I, I struggle for words right now just talking about this. So if you can give them solid resources, that is where you can make a difference in these tragedies so that is a great point and that's something you can have ready to go in your template on your website uh, we have the mental health page where we have a lot of these resources how do you talk to your kids about this and as rick said make it age appropriate matthew i love the the superintendent message that you brought up about the parents are crucial this is such a good point and schools are doing more than we have ever done in the history of education and when you do all this it's great because we're such a good community resource but you put so much on the plate what is falling off and then we get all this finger pointing at the schools of like so many different issues and you want to say like these are sometimes parent issues we are happy to help we're happy to be the solution but we're not the problems here and parents are so vital to the partnership in schools so just pointing to schools what are schools going to do it's like we need to start saying this is all of us this is a community issue this is our local police this is the schools this is the churches this is the community and this is definitely the parents that's where the kids spend most of their time with So I get it, the schools are doing amazing things, but the parents need to be a part of it, and to Rick's point, with which Matthew emphasized, the public meetings, that is a genius idea that I don't think many people thought of, and you don't need to do it two days after, but when you get all of this information and kind of inquiries about your safety, let's talk about it. We'll tell you what we're doing, we'll take your feedback, and don't just take feedback for the sake of feedback, because. That drives people insane, but you will get good feedback and you will get what their priorities are and you can work together. So having those open community conversations that Rick said is another fantastic idea.
1: Um, And let me add too, we talk a lot about the external communications, the external pieces here. Let's not forget internally. So one of the most important things that uh, we do, and I recommend, when you have these high-profile incidents, you know you have principals in schools, teachers are teaching, they're not watching the news like we get or we get those alerts um, when these bad things happen, is I sent an, an email out to all of our principals, and I copied their secretaries because they're often on their computers more. Hey, this incident has occurred. Um, we're aware of it. Um, we want you to be, you know, cognizant, be alert for any students that might be talking about it. Um, you know, tip, inform your social workers, your psychologists, and, and your counselors. Just sort of giving them alert. And if you need help, give me a call. And then I do it. I did another check-in before the end of the day, um, so that principals knew that hey, we're here if you need anything. But more importantly listen have your ear to the ground now's the point where you should be doing it every day but hey let's be a little bit extra um, eyes eyes open ears to the ground you know it's called situational awareness right we are situationally aware of our surroundings and who's in our buildings and situationally aware of what children are most likely going to experience these things so have a five-minute stand-up meeting with your staff or at least send a staff email that says we're aware districts aware we have resources don't hesitate to call or reach out to us. That internal piece is as equally important as their externals.
0: It's such a good point because the internal is going to help you with the external. We often forget, myself included, who's mm-hmm. answering the phones at the district office that's taking all these questions at the school sites. So if we forget about them, they could help us, A, that we should tell our staff what we know as soon as possible, but they're going to help message probably more than we can because they're the ones getting inundated. So that's one of the first steps is almost internally to get the message to them. Yes, we're aware of this and then give them one or two talking points. We're aware of it, we're working on it. This is kind of where we are in our process. So they have something, they feel good. And then when they get the calls, Nothing worse than somebody gets a call and like, I don't know if we know about this. I don't know what's happening. So it's almost internally, Rick, to your point, it's such a good one. Take care of that first, and then you can get some of that external messaging going because your staff is doing so much communication for us. We're considered the the comms people, but our staff as a whole does way more communicating than we will ever do, so we can help them help us with our job. So fantastic point.
2: Yeah, and I I just want to say too, you nailed a comms one oh one there that I know we have a lot of new people um to the profession that also listen to the podcast, so let's just touch on that real quick. Totally a little unrelated, but related, and that is try to tend to the order of your notifications. So sometimes it doesn't work out this way, but as best you can, right? Executive cabinet superintendent, the board of education, your staff, parents and guardians and, and community at large, right? Like, so there's an order of notification. It's really critical. You don't want a board member finding out that the parents got an email, right? That they didn't know was going out. Just like you don't want a teacher finding out you sent out an email to all of their parents that they didn't know was going out. They're the ones that will get the calls like Ryan had said. So just kind of tend to your order of notification as best you can. Sometimes you can give people an hour between, you know, messaging, if it's not critical, sometimes you can give people only a few minutes, but, um, as best you can try to make sure staff knows what's going out before you ship it out to the community.
0: Yeah. Such good points. And as we wrap up with Rick, any good resources that we should go to, to help with, some of this messaging, helping parents, I think you posted a couple of good resources. so what are some of those that can people can listening can kind of go to and add those to their toolbox for this?
1: Well, NsSP is always a great place, and in any any state chapters that have resources page on their if they have a state chapter website, um, I always look to the National Association of uh, School Psychologists, great resource for how to talk with children, how to talk with adults, uh, with staff, and how to prepare, things of that nature. So, you know, and, and I, um, I, I will push this out to the uh, the uh, com- Complete Crisis Communication Management, management for Schools. Um, it's an NSPR product, and it's got great templates in there. It's got a lot of information that can really help in developing your crisis comms. And um, really, to to underscore, when you have a calm moment now in the next 24 to 48 hours, use it to your advantage to prepare for the next incident. Get this material together. Use this podcast as a sort of a, a checklist of things that you could and should be doing to be prepared it'll save you a lot of time i think ryan you've mentioned that a couple times saving the time that you really don't have when an incident occurs and especially if whether it's in your district or it's close enough to you you are going to be inundated and um uh, speaking from experience it is it is it is we think that this is stressful that's extremely stressful
0: the information that we're hoping to get to education leaders and school comms pros is i think very tangible and hopefully useful to them you've given us so many good pieces of information and things to think about and prepare for and so many just gold nuggets for them bigger picture rick with this you've been at this for going on 25 years now advocating for school safety trying to get rid of school shootings and What can we do? I mean, it is just, I know we only have a few minutes and this is a long loaded question, but man, it seems like progress is nowhere near where we need it to be. You know, you hear what other countries are doing. How tough is this? And what can advocates do in this realm?
1: It really starts at the local level and the state level. So, advocating at uh, our state legislatures to about smart, uh, smart work about responding and, and being and you know taking away those pieces that are creating this. You know, everyone wants to go to the gun debate, and I understand that. I really do. The reality is, though, once we dig in those heels, that we get nowhere with it. What we should be focusing on um, is really intervention, mitigation. Um, preventing these things from happening in the first place. And that starts with at the home, in the community, in our schools, addressing mental health. And um, we've seen a, a, such a huge uptick since the pandemic. Um, we've talked about reengaging parents because parents be, did become disengaged during the pandemic and afterwards. It's sort of like they were, with, they were at home for two years. Now they're your problem, not ours. We have to re-engage parents. So it's really being in tune. See something, say something. All of these incidents, they tell someone, move forward with that. What can you do in your state? Whatever politically, um, uh, where, where you can make some inroads, but addressing mental health and schools' ability to address the mental health in, in, in children um, at an early age and then continuing to support that. And then what agencies in the community exist to help schools, because we can't do it alone. That's a good place to start. If you want to go down the gun debate, um, it's going to be a dark hole and you're probably more frustrated at the end of it than, than when you started the conversation. Focus on what we can change and how we can impact that change today.
0: Yeah, and as you talked about in uh, one of our previous conversations on the podcast, prevention and intervention and definitely mental health, um, so big and those those are things that we can have a direct impact on and prevent some of these and prevent kids from going down this path and we may not never ever know what we did but wow it is very powerful um speaking of i just want to thank our sponsors nickel strategies and Sound Mind. Sound soundmind's doing great things for mental health we have a whole podcast on what they're doing they're now in schools and helping with the mental health crisis in our country and It's just so sad to think coming out of the pandemic, as you talked about, we're seeing more and more mental health issues. So you you just um, it's just scary situation. It's important work. So, Rick, just on behalf of everyone out there, appreciate you advocating. Thank you so much for coming on again. You always just provide such insights and so thoughtful in your in your work. And you're just always willing to help others. And I know you work with other schools, so. Follow Rick. He's a great follow on Twitter. R.J. Kaufman. He's on LinkedIn. You know where to find him. Uh, just follow him for the knowledge, and if you need his help, I know he'll uh, he'll pick up the phone and, and help anyone. So thanks so much, Rick.
1: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rick.
0: You rock. Right. all right, guys. Thank you, Matthew. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank for your insights too. It was just a important conversation. Always a tough one to have, but uh, just. Really good uh, information, so hope everyone enjoyed it, and we will catch up with everyone soon. Keep advocating, keep pushing for this, do what you can in your own district, your own communities, and hopefully we all make a little bit of strides in the school safety issue, which is so important to everyone. Thank you so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.